You could have invited Chris Kenny on this episode, by the way. Like he could have like shared his own like favorite oh, recipes that he makes oh, yeah. with like his ingredients. Yeah, like at well, he would have he would have inherited the ingredients from his parents, so it really didn't matter what he likes. It's what he inherited from his parents. Shock of shock of all shocks. Welcome, folks. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Uh, this is your friend Rob uh, in the bunker. We have a very interesting panel set up right now. Uh, Carl, as as he has been, is in a remote location on the knobs. Uh, we have we're not going to talk about politics, so we're not going to give people's like this and that. We're just going to say my friend Medina Wilson Anton is on. Hello, heyo, and my friend Kirsten Walther. Hello, hi. And from uh, the Bunker Garden, because we just had a beautiful, beautiful lunch, uh, is Mr. Jess Scarane and Mrs. Bill Martin. Hello. I don't know if they're, they're if they're listening or not. I would never accept being referred to that way, and you should know better. <laughs> so, so, sorry. I think Bill is currently using your bathroom, so he's not here to accept the fact that he loves being Mrs. Mr. Jess Scarane. Yes. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, Jess and Bill couldn't come up to the bunker because of um, of uh, COVID protocol. Uh, but they did come over for a beautiful lunch today, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about holiday time. We're talking about home cooking, big family meals, and solidarity. Um, it's something that uh, I talk about uh, from time to time or people bring up um, that I love hosting uh, big meals here and cooking for people. And what you may or may not know is this is rampant among the uh, leftist insurgency of Delaware is home cooking and cooking for each other. And uh, I wanted to talk about it. So here we are. Um, I guess the way I wanted to start out is just how I start out all these conversations is like how you how you were brought up or where you're from. And I remember as a kid, we we ate at home you know, basically five times a week. Um, on Wednesdays and Sundays, we had some sort of pasta dish. Um, you know, Sunday, it was usually kind of fancy. And then Wednesday, it was like whatever sauce was left over and some other pasta. But my mom was always making meatloaf, uh, roast chicken, uh, London broil, uh, baked fish, you know, all of that stuff. And so that's how I came up. I had two younger brothers and we ate sort of home-cooked family meals uh, almost every day. And so when I went out on my own and I got my own place, I found myself calling my mom a couple times a week and being like, hey, how, how'd you make this, you know, that thing you made? And she would have to explain to me, like, how to do it. And then I just started trying it. And, you know, uh, 25 years later, I figured out how to cook for myself. Um, but that's sort of like how I, how I got into just at least cooking at home. I'm interested, like what, like uh, Kirsten, what, what's your what's your background on it? How did you come up? Like, I know you're a big uh, a big vegan cook and a baker, which I am not, but I'm interested in that. But like, how'd you get into it? Yeah, I mean, and also like I, I know some vegan recipes. I'm not like I wouldn't like say that yet. Um, I do like to like play around and like aspiring. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I hated cooking as a kid because it was very like gendered in my house. And, um, I guess that was like, 
my main like that was my main like pushback coming from the fact that like I really didn't like that like oh why is it only the women over the holidays who are in the kitchen and like my mom did 100% of the cooking and I was like you know kind of a little like self-righteous kid and was like that doesn't seem right like women shouldn't be relegated to the kitchen you know and like was just like I I don't want anything to do with this so for most of my childhood like I would help the bare minimum in the kitchen my mom did a lot of cooking my grandma as well did a lot of cooking um and I mean our like meals we almost never ate at restaurants um and it was like a lot of just like simple stuff you know like cooking a few vegetables a protein source and like a grain and kind of just having like um whatever like mix and match variety of the day um but yeah i i really didn't like the idea of cooking much until i was probably like 18 and went away to college didn't have access to a kitchen or anything and then came home and was like oh wow this is really cool that like i have like a full-size fridge and a stove and an oven and like can just cook things if i want to and like it was I think uh, more even about like relaxation and like bonding with my family just by like hanging out in the kitchen at that point um and then as I kind of like did more of it I was like oh I actually I like this and I would like to do more of it and I would like to know more of these recipes because um it was it, it was really fun for me to like learn the things that like my my family had been making for years and like feel like I was kind of like being part of that tradition. So yeah, I, I would say I was about 18 when I actually like started doing some more cooking and like making things of my own volition rather than just like helping in the kitchen when I was asked. Yeah. Um, Medina, what, what's your, what's your background? Um, I know, I know, um, you know, you now uh, have, uh, you know, a large family and you're doing like family cooking all the time. Um, is that how you were brought up to? You did a lot of like just eat at home, like family meals, that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not necessarily unique. It's just kind of um, what happens when you have a big family. So I'm one of one of six girls, um, five of us that grew up together. Um, so when you have a big family, a bunch of kids that all eat a lot, <laughs> Um, and you're not rich, you're going to eat at home, most likely. So, like, I remember times we would go out for fast food, and it was, like, dollar menu. Like, everybody gets a dollar, two dollars, like, to pick. And th those were, like, amazing. Um, but, yeah, we ate most of our meals at home. We ate really until recently. We all ate at the same time. Like, it was it was dinner time. We'd come to the dinner table. we all eat together. Um, and I'm black, so, like, the food that we ate growing up, a lot of it was, like what you would consider soul food, but also just kind of like standard American fare in quotes. Um, like you mentioned meatloaf and London broil. I remember like for my birthday, my mom would offer like, she's like, what do you want for your birthday dinner? And that was like super special. And I remember yeah. asking for London broil and we yeah. haven't had it in years. And I remember like recently my uncle mentioned it because I was, I was trying to make corned beef from scratch. And he was telling me about like different cuts of meat and stuff. And he mentioned London broil, and I'm like, whatever happened to London broil? Like, I know it's like old fashioned almost. <laughs> but that used to go off. Like, I used to love when my mom made that for dinner. 
Yeah, um, I think about, at least once a month. I can remember my mom just roasting a London broil, like cutting it down with just potatoes and carrots or something. And that was, that was, it It was great. You put steak sauce on it or something. It was was fantastic. But yeah, I don't know what happened to London broil. I have no idea. Yeah. But like we ate a lot at home. Um, I'm one of, you know, like I said, I have a bunch of sisters, no, no brothers. So the gendered thing didn't really play a part in my household as much. Like I noticed that my parents had different roles in ways, but my dad did cook at times and he tended to have like spurts where that was like the thing he was making. Like, he, like there was a time where he was making lamb saguala, which is like a spinach um, curry type thing. And we'd be like, Baba, Baba, can you make lamb saguala? And he'd be like, it's lamb saguala time. And like, he would do that. Like he'd have a specialty, but my mom kind of could always make it work and like throw things together. Um, and like, there's a lot of kids so a lot of times she was budgeting and i really looked up to her for that and i remember like in my young adulthood i was like ma how did you like how do i grocery shop in a way where i get home and i have meals i don't have ingredients um so kudos to my mom for making it work with so many kids yeah my my um my my dad was the same way like he he was because he worked quite a bit um well, two things. One is we sat down as a family every night as well, but very often my dad was was late. I, I can remember I, I would say probably two-thirds of the time uh, he would come home like during dinner. Like I can remember looking out the back door and seeing the headlights come down the, the driveway very, very often. But he was a he was a big uh, breakfast guy. So like on the weekends, he'd be like, "I'm making omelets, I'm making pancakes." Like like you said, like it's always like the one thing. It's like the dad's got to do. He's got to get on it. Um, so yeah, I I I, I definitely uh, know exactly what you're talking about there. My dad was the same way, and like I remember, like I guess a little bit of the gendered like feeling where my dad would be like, he'd wake us up and be like, "I'm making a big breakfast, but the dishes are dirty." And it was like, like, if you clean, like, you'd be like, if you guys clean the dishes, then I'll make a big breakfast. And I remember thinking, like, as a teenager, I don't want a big breakfast. Like, I'd rather just have cereal than wash the dishes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he definitely, you know, more than the average, I guess, father in that time period, like, helped out in the kitchen. Um, but I remember, like, as a teenager, so I grew up in a really diverse, like, community. Um and so, like, growing up, a lot of my peers were complaining to me about how their moms were like, you're not going to get married if you don't know how to cook these, like, 20 staples from our cuisine. And I was always kind of jealous of that because I didn't feel like my mom was preparing me in that way. And I remember, like, being like, Ma, can I, like, cook with you? Can you teach me? Um, and I think a lot of, like, what I know and what my sisters know is kind of just by observing and wanting to learn. But my mom never really was like, get in the kitchen and like learn this so that you can survive as a woman in the world. She never really, you know, looked like that with us. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, um, I never remember like getting lessons when I was a kid. I remember having to go back to my grandmother's and my mom and be like, how did you do this? And then sort of starting out as a basis and going from there. So I was never taught, but I'm wondering too, like, one of the things that I'm connected to growing up is that the every big family sort of event was centered around a huge meal. So um, Christmas Eve is a big thing for sort of Italian-Americans anyway. And my 
uh, paternal grandfather's birthday was Christmas Eve. So it was humongous. Um, you know, and, and I can just remember all the courses coming out and just different things. And it was just, it was so, uh, it was just so incredible. Uh, same thing with New Year's at my other grandmother's. So it's a lot of like, it got ha- a lot of stuff got handed down through holidays. And I still, I, I still try to, to keep up some of those traditions today. I wonder if you guys do the same like holiday thing or if, if it traces back like in your, in your family time and your extended family. Um, if you have any kind of stories like that. Yeah. Well, so, um, for people who aren't like, uh, who didn't hear earlier when like we were talking, um, before we started recording, uh, Medina is at my house right now which is my grandma's house um, that like she and my grandpa bought in the fifties. And I was telling Medina, like I was showing her around and was, had mentioned that we used to have Christmas day, like a party here with the whole side of the family. And so there were like my grandma, grandpa, four aunts and uncles, like eight total, 17 grandkids, significant others. Like there were like 35 people in the house and it's this like little town home um and i was like trying to remember how my grandma possibly like cooked for like 35 people in this like teeny little kitchen and i don't know how she did it it like i think that's what like blows my mind more than anything when i just like think about the the amount of food that she was able to turn out for people in such a small space and like on such a tight budget because like that's one thing that like yeah, and I think Medina, like, speaking about this earlier was, like, also, like, making me think about, like, yeah, I, I've i been able to pick up some of the recipes from, like, different holiday dishes that, like, my grandma had written down the instructions on, like, this yellowed curled index card that she had, like, had her script on. And I'm like, okay, like, let me spend, like, 30 minutes deciphering what the, you know, what is, what exactly the measurements mean, because it's, like, you know, your your grandparents never were just like, oh, you know, use a teaspoon of this. It's like some like weird like form of there's a very f- only they're like privy to. Yeah, there's a very famous story in my family, and I think it has to do with some holiday cookie, or it, p- it potentially has to do with my grandmother. Every Christmas, made these donuts. They were these really dense. Uh, they had like uh, sugar on them. I, I can't even really explain these donuts, but it, it, whatever the recipe was, when it was handed down to my cousin, one of the things was like a a bowl of warm water, and you're like, bowl? What bowl? How big's the bowl? Do you, do we have the bowl? It's not. It's it's not. It's not clear what the bowl is. <laughs> like so, so you just have to you just work it out. <laughs> yeah, it's like my sister-in-law was trying to make like. I don't remember what the recipe was a couple of years ago and the recipe called for enough flour. Yeah. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> so this reminds me of the story. So a little bit about me. So I wanted to be a chef for a while. That was like, I didn't know chosen... that. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. And my mom, if you ask her about it, she'd be like, Oh yeah. Like, like, my mom and grandmother reminded me of this the other day. They were like, remember when you used the computer and you made a menu for your restaurant that you wanted to have and like you printed it out and like my grandmother has it somewhere. So like when I was in middle school, that was like my thing. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to have a restaurant. And so I was always like trying to learn new recipes. And I had a friend in middle school who was from Yemen. 
originally and they made this bread that we actually did a fundraiser um to teach people how to how to make it for the campaign but it's this layered bread it's kind of like the idea of a croissant where you've got oil or butter in between the layers so it's really flaky and i was like this stuff is delicious i need to learn how to make it and my friend's like sure come over one day after school so i have my notebook i have my pen and i'm like learning this recipe from a woman who doesn't speak english and she's literally doing what you're talking about like she takes a bowl like a cereal bowl puts it in the big big um <laughs> like like paint bucket type thing full of flour because they make so much bread puts it in there puts it in it's like two cereal bowls and a quarter i'm like scribbling this down i still have it somewhere um one one like you know drinking glass or mug of water like enough yeast yeah. to fit in between your two fingers like <laughs> like literally that's you can't ask them for cups and teaspoons like they don't cook like that yeah, one of the things that um, we talked about before we sort of planned um, to have this conversation about food is the Pasta Grannies, uh, the YouTube channel, which I'm obsessed with, obviously, because my two grandmothers were Pasta Grannies and I want to be a Pasta Granny. Nurse Susan says I am a Pasta Granny. I hope that I am. I take that as a compliment. But if you watch the YouTube, a lot of the very old Italian ladies who are making pasta, you know, it's just flour and then either water or egg. But it's like, how much flour do they put on this board? Oh, it's like two handfuls. They're like, oh, it's about 500 grams? Like, nobody, it's just like, however many, like two handfuls are four. Then the old lady will be like, it's four people. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, so you just have to kind of, it's all about feel and like what the texture should be like. And it's just sort of like by, by, by look and feel. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not a big baker. Like I, I know Kirsten, you you are a huge baker, and I feel like I never got really good at that. Like I tried the sourdough thing over the COVID, and I like it just wasn't for me. Um, but you you seem to be a, a super baker. Where did where did you pick that up? Um, I mean, I think I I don't make things that are like particularly like complex or anything. Um, a lot of my recipes are just like, as I said, like things that my grandma used to make over the holidays that like, I went back to her years later as, um, you know, like in my late teens or early twenties and was like, mom, mom, how did you make them? And she was like, Oh, I had the recipe somewhere and would pull out like a yellowed curled index card from like, I don't know, like the seventies or sixties. Um, and I would just like follow her recipes, but I I started baking a lot more if actually like I started baking a lot more when I started getting more involved with like uh some of the like community organizing groups and like campaigns because I had uh people to bake for and I wouldn't just have like massive cakes that were going to sit in my house and I would just like be like oh cool I got like a whole cake to myself now um and cuz it's just like an it I I really like the act of baking because it requires like the perfect amount of physical labor and um, brain activity that it like takes my mind off of like anything that I'm worried about, but it's not like super taxing, you know, like I find it, I find it very like physically relaxing to just be like in the kitchen, not having to like think about other things, but also not having to like, you know, it's like you're, you're not thinking too hard, but like your mind is occupied. So 
I, I appreciated that like going to a lot of meetings each week, like gave me an opportunity to kind of like offload some of like the fruits of my labor, you know? Um, and it also just like feels good when people are like, oh, this turned out well. And like, especially if it's like a recipe that like I grew up, you know, eating every like Thanksgiving or like Christmas or whatever from my grandma. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it feels like a nice way to honor, which is like important to me. Yeah. I, appreciate I ab it. absolutely Definitely. agree. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, it makes you happy. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you, you touched on two big things because I, I completely agree with you that like the act of doing the, the prep and just thinking about like what you're doing and going through like the process that you know, like the technique that you know is going to make this good um, is uh, it's very cerebral and uh, calming to me. And so, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate doing it. But the other thing you said uh, that I think is so important is like cooking for people. Like I, I love to cook. I take every opportunity to have people over to cook. Um, again, I think Jess had to drop, but we had them over to talk. We hadn't seen them in a long time. And we were, because the weather's nice, we were able to be outside. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to roast a chicken. I'm going to fucking do this. I, I did a whole big lunch. But one of the things I did was these little sweet potatoes, uh, on a, on a cast iron pan on the grill and roasted them because that's my grandmother used to do that. And they just like this crispy little piece of potato. It's, it's delicious. But like you do that for people. Like I never cook for myself. If I, if I like, get a, a peanut butter sandwich or eat a bowl of cereal, like it, it's not, it's, it's not about, uh, it's not about self-satisfaction almost. It's always about like doing something for somebody else, your family or, or, or doing it like as a group. I like to cook for myself as well. Cause it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's a different experience, but I also like testing new things out and cause it's like, it's also yeah. satisfying for me when I'm like, Oh cool. Like this turned out really well. Like I tried to like, I don't know, make this dish based on like, especially if it's like, I'm trying something new based on like an idea that I had and it turns out well, I'm like, Oh, that was dope. Like good job. Yeah. Person, you know? So yeah. I do like, I like cooking for myself as well. And like experimenting. I'm glad yeah. you said that. Cause I was sitting here like, Oh, I feel so selfish because <laughs> I definitely cook for myself sometimes. Like I, I love cooking for people. Um, and like sometimes you know, depending on what it is, after you've cooked the meal, you give it to them, you watch them eat it, and you don't even want to eat because you're just like, like, I don't know. Like, I just want to watch you eat and, like, see you enjoy it. But I definitely wake up sometimes, and my mother-in-law, so I used to live with my in-laws, and my mother-in-law was, like, trying to lose weight, and she'd be like, Medina, you need to stop. Because I have that, like, creative culinary mind where I'll wake up, and I'm like, today we're making sweet potato muffins. And, like, I need that for breakfast. So I'm making it right now. <laughs> and she'd be like, you have to stop. Like, stop making all these delicious foods. <laughs> I do the same thing when your mind's like that. Um, so, well, to Kirsten's point, I did that this week, actually. So I do do, like, little things for myself during the day that I think, like, Susan might like. So I had, like, leftover, like, mashed potatoes. And I was like, okay. I want to figure out how to make like a potato pancake that's really savory and cheesy. And so I tried a bunch of different ones for myself on Friday so I can make it for Susan this morning. So like I, I that part, that part I do, I, I do do that. Um, 
but yeah, I just love having people over. I mean, Jess and Bill could have said like today, like I put all that together and we sat down and then like you have to go in one by one to get your plate from the kitchen and come back out. But like, I like everybody else eating and then I'll go get whatever's let, like there's always going to be something I can get the dark meat and something, but I, I like everybody, like everybody enjoying it. Um, that's like uh, very satisfying to me, especially when I make stuff that I've made a hundred times, and I like I know that it's good, and I'm like ah, I I know that's I good. I to ask you about that. Like, do you ask people? Sometimes I find myself doing this, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm becoming like that stereotypical grandma, where I'm like, is it good? I know it's good. I'm, I don't need you to say anything. I know it's delicious. <laughs> but I'm like, do you like it? And they're like, oh yeah. It's so and like I'm just like yes, like. Keep keep it coming, keep it coming. It depends. It de- it really depends what kind of mood I'm in. Actually, like I will tell you, and and Nurse Susan will tell you. Sometimes, like she'll be at the counter and I'll be cooking, and I'll look as it's like getting ready, and I'll just look at her and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, like uh, I've made this before." She's like, "Are you trying to tell me how good it is?" I'm like, "It's gonna be, it's gonna be so good." Um, so sometimes I do. It depends. Sometimes when I know that it's really good, I don't say anything, and I'm like. Let's look around. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, was it was it good? And you're like, ah, I know it's good. Yeah. I do ask sometimes, like if it's something that I tried or, you know, it's something that I don't eat and I'm making it for someone else, like, okay, yeah. how, how did it turn out? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I throw down. I'm, I, I definitely miss, like, the ability to bring people over with COVID because I really like to entertain and, like, I come from an entertainment family where, like, yeah. that's what we do. Um and like you were talking about holidays earlier. So my family's kind of weird, I guess, because my parents converted. So we don't celebrate the same um, holidays as the rest of my family does. Um, so we grew up kind of like not going to Christmas, but going to Thanksgiving, not going to Easter. But I do remember like sitting with my aunt afterwards and just eating the licorice jelly beans that nobody else ate. <laughs> and like thinking about COVID, I'm like, that's pretty gross. <laughs> But, like, at the time, it would be, like, the jelly bean jar, and it would just be only chocolate and licorice jelly beans left. And we were the only ones that liked them. And that was, like, a bonding activity. We were, like, we're going to eat these licorice jelly beans. Like, um, but I definitely miss that. And, like, there were some, like, um, like Memorial Day, 4th of July, where we'd have cookouts. And that was, like, yeah. everybody was at the cookout. That's how I met a lot of my cousins, like, extended cousins that I would never have met, probably, especially pre-Facebook. It was like you meet them at the cookout and the kids hang out and that's how you get to meet your dad's second cousin's kids that are your age and all of that so i definitely miss that yeah i mean it doesn't really even when you don't celebrate the same ones i i i know that like whether you go to a seder which is very traditional and and, and people have a, a obviously a, a spiritual and and you know emotional attachment to that whether you go to the eid uh, or you you know you're breaking fast during the Ramadan, uh, or you're going to the Seven Fishes at uh, you know uh, Christmas Eve, it's all the same sort of idea. It's like everybody's getting together. You're going to the cookout. You're meeting this person you didn't meet before, uh, but it's all about like that that kind of food. And I think that's the spirit of it. I think that's kind of what drew me into it is that uh, there's a cultural aspect and a familial aspect to it. Um, that's like, I don't know. I, it's almost difficult to explain. You sort of have to experience it to get it, you know? Um, 
it, it's funny, Kirsten. I, I know I, I know where your grandmother lived, and my grandmother, who was the biggest, my maternal grandmother, who was the biggest influence on me as like a as just a home cook, um, actually um, cooked there first. I think my mom, they moved from the neighborhood that you're in uh, right down towards Banning Park, like when my mom was maybe five. Um, so it's just funny. You're like, you're in, actually in the space where it had, like, uh, you know, I, 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 I so relate to that. Um, I won't, I won't, I won't dox you. You know, no, my mom, uh, my mom lived uh, about three blocks from you until she was five or six, I think. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had forgotten that we talked about that, but we did talk about that before, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I couldn't remember if we did, but yeah, I, I um, and, and it connects like over towards that part of the city where a lot of my, my aunt and uncle, uh, lived over by like turn Wilmington Turner's, um, like where B B Byer middle school and all that. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so familiar with that. I, I like, I, I, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I mean, my grandma was like the person I was like closest to in the world. Like I had like a really special relationship with her and it, like I was excited that it just it worked out timing wise that like I was kind of like looking to buy a place and like she she was 98 at that point and just like couldn't live by herself anymore. So she was like moving into a nursing home. The timing was just really like fortuitous um, for like me to be able to buy it. But yeah, it's really cool. And like it feels it. I, so I would use I would take her pictures of like all the renovations I was doing and like I wasn't. I didn't think she would be like, you know, too precious about like anything that I was changing, but I wasn't sure like how excited she would be. But like, it was really cool that she would be like, oh, you're changing the bathroom. Thank God. I always hated that bathroom. And like, she was like really excited for like all of the things I was doing and wasn't like, you know, trying to like hold on to kind of like how it was. So like, I was, I felt really good about that and like excited that like she approved, you know? Yeah, that's great. My 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 grandmother and grandfather, my my mom's parents, um, had sort of the same situation. They uh, had to had to go into uh, assisted living and uh, long term care, and as part of like figuring out how to get them into my my mom and my aunt bought bought their house, uh, and and my my cousin and her partner and their three kids now uh, rent that house from my mom, so they still live there. So like the place where I had, you know, uh, Thanksgiving dinner in 1984, uh, my cousin lives there now with her kids. It's just co so cool to go there because you, yeah, you do feel that like uh, attachment to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. so cool. You can't really cook yet in it, but like, <laughs> hopefully I'll get it a little more cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. My grandmother actually had the, um, the old Italian thing where she had a kitchen in the basement too. She had an oven and a, like a full, a full kitchen in the basement. I don't, I don't think any of that, I don't think those appliances are still down there because my recollection way back in the day where there, it's like real old, like 1960s, like oven and like range down there. So I can't imagine it's still there, but yeah, she did a lot of cooking like in the, in the basement, which is, I think is, I think it's an Italian thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, you don't get much ventilation in your basement. Yeah, basement. yeah, I have no idea. Growing up, like a lot of friends that I had um, that were Daisy, they would cook in the garage. Yeah, so I don't know if that's like a similar deal. And like one of our neighbors does the same thing. But you know, it's weird. It's so I'm over at Kirsten's and she gave me a tour, and I'm like, this house 
it was like my grandparents house like so my grandparents my dad's side are from chester pa and they lived in a similar um like styled house um and like that's where we would go for like thanksgiving and it was tons of people and like kirsten said i don't know how they were able to make it work <laughs> in that kitchen how we all got fed like you know, she was talking about how her uncles and cousins would be, like, in the basement, and, like, I I clearly remember that there was, like, the area where my uncles were, and, like, normally there was alcohol involved. <laughs> and, like, the kids had their area, like, on the porch and stuff, but yeah, it just brought a lot of memories back. Yeah, it's, uh, my, my, uh, my father's mom and dad got married in, uh, my, my grandmother's parents house in South Philly on Mercy Street it's a very famous story there's photos of it and everything and um, you know there's like 50 people at the wedding and about a year ago maybe a year and a half ago I, I went up um, with a friend of mine to a, a, a little brew pub that's in South Philly somewhere and I noticed it's like oh that's like six blocks from this address that I know that my, my grandmother grew up on this block so I'm going to go down and check this house out so I leave and I go down and it's this tiny little row house. And I'm like, my grandparents got married in that house with 50 people. Like, how do you even fit 20 people in that house? I couldn't imagine how I don't not even like, I'm still very confused about how it even ha how it happened. But yeah, there it is. That's, that's just what, that's just what they did. Yeah. They didn't have COVID. So they could be closer. I mean, I remember it was always hot. I'll say that. Like, <laughs> like with every person that came to the party, it got warmer and warmer. It's like Thanksgiving in the middle of November, and people are like going out to the porch, and they're like, "I gotta get some air. It's hot in there." <laughs> it's so funny you said that because when you're a kid, I guess you don't notice, but you're like sweaty, and you go outside, and there's like eight adults just smoking cigarettes, and you're like, "Oh, why is it? it's one degree out here?" Oh, but you're out here because it's a sweat box in there. Okay, I see. The kids yeah, now have been going all day, probably all night. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish Jess and Bill would have stayed on so they could just have told me uh, like how the lunch was. But um, as you said, I I know how good you know, it was. You know, I I do, I do. When you said you roasted a chicken. I was like, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I yeah. I there's a. Um, we, uh, I have a little rosemary bush that I've been taking clippings off and, and like vacuum sealing them because uh, the bush is going to die in, in the winter. And so I, I use some of that, that fresh rosemary and I roast it on the grill on a beer can. Have you ever done that? You stand it up. So you sit it, you, 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 you sit it on the beer can and you use the, the grill as like an oven, but the, the beer sort of steams inside the cavity of the chicken and it's on the bone. So you can't cook, you can't overcook it. And so you can just get the skin real crisp and then just take it off that can and it's just, it's great. Yeah, so here's here's my like unique thing I can add to the episode. So Muslim, don't drink. <laughs> I don't eat things that have alcohol in them. Um, and I know that's like, some people are like, it cooks out, so they'll eat it anyway. Um, also don't eat pork. And so like, this is an aside, but you said beer can. Whenever I hear the word beer can, I think of that joke where it's like, say beer can with a Jamaican accent sounds like saying bacon with a British accent. Bacon. Um, it does actually. That, I never, right? I never heard that joke. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're welcome. Um, but <laughs> so growing up, you know, my like say for Thanksgiving, like there was always going to be greens. 
but the greens are cooked with ham hock. Right. And like, we don't need that. So like at, over time, like certain family members would be like, are you guys coming? Because we'll, we'll use a turkey butt or we'll use like a turkey, whatever. That's exactly like, what I was going to say. You got to substitute turkey. Yeah. That's the move. And, like, there's so many, so many different like recipes that different family members have substituted over time. And like, I really appreciated that because then I'm like, oh, I get to have some of that this year? Yes. Like my plate isn't just um, yams. <laughs> it's like everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've had fun doing over time is sort of like being taught or, or learning like the, the basics, like the basic uh, foundations of this stuff and like just the, the technique of cooking. And then you can sort of do other stuff. You're like, oh, you know what'll work with this? This will work. Or like a turkey, turkey butt will work in the greens, not a ham hock. Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you can do all of this different stuff. You're like, oh, I don't need, I need a different kind of oil or I need this or that. But it's it's so cool. So it's, you never, you never stop learning and sort of refining. And it's all part of like this social, sort of social thing. I love that stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like learning why the dish like why the what role the ingredients play in the dish and then figuring out from there like what the suitable replacements are for that role yeah it's like why why did this happen oh it's uh this this happened because there wasn't enough of this now oh i i understand what that's doing yeah no that's a baking that's a big baking thing too like if you miss or if you if you miss one thing and you notice what happened you're like oh that's exactly what that thing's doing i know that right now. like some things when you substitute like with vegan versus like like I try to keep away from dairy, lactose intolerance. So like certain things are like your rising aging or they add moisture or whatever. Um, it's definitely a lot of fun. I love experimenting with stuff like that and like I don't know. It's it's definitely fun once you've gotten a handle on it to be able to experiment and even though you're experimenting, you know it's gonna be good. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, How yeah, good yeah. will it be? <laughs> like is it and a lot of times when I cook like Everyone else loves it, and I'm like, it's good, but it's not what I was going for. Like, yes, I have yes, it in yes. My head a certain way. I love to try to recreate things. Like, I haven't been eating out as much lately because of COVID, but like, I might go to Cheesecake Factory or something and get something, and I'm like, that was phenomenal. I could figure out how to make that. Like, I'm not buying that ever again. I'm going to make it myself. And yeah. I think I get some of that from my mom because, just like I said, growing up where we had to be frugal to make like to stretch the money for the month um like my mom used to bake a lot and not just desserts but like she would bake bread and i wanted to ask you guys actually like what kind of breads you grew up with and like i remember at one point my mom we used to we used to watch like pbs because we didn't have cable most of the time and there was this show called globe trekker and my mom at one point was like oh like i wish i could have a tv show like this where it was just bread like all we all I did was like travel the world, taste the different types of breads. Um, and like recently I've noticed that a lot of different cultures have like a porridge or a pudding kind of a like starchy thing. Like um in the Caribbean, so part of my family's from the Caribbean, and like one of the staples is cuckoo, which is like a cornmeal yep. pudding kind of thing. And then you go to West Africa, they have cuckoo, which is very similar. Um but yes, yeah, so like I was wondering if you guys have that in your cultures or if it's bread or rice. Yeah, Italians have, I mean, obviously the pasta is the big starch, but um, we have like polenta, 
uh, can be like a porridge or it can be sort of like a cake. So that's sort of like an Italian thing, but it's that's like a fancy Italian thing, which is different than like it's a lot of the um, a lot of the other stuff are like staples where like polenta cakes are sort of a little more fancy. Um, basically just, you know, Italian bread, which is, you know, just flour, yeast and oil. That's it. You know, water that, you know, it's very simple. Um, so that's sort of what I grew up on. I try a bunch of different stuff now. Um, and I actually think that, um, the bread from, uh, and, and stuff from other cultures is, is actually better. Like non there's, I think non might be the best bread. Like, I don't know if that might be the best bread that I'm, that I'm aware of. You don't think so? What do you, what do you think? I mean, okay. Best bread versus like, even just best, like daisy bread. Like I like parata and mochi better than non. Okay. That's, I, I like, mean, I like a fry bread. I like yeah. Greasy. I like that. Okay, um, well, see, but that's a different, that's a specialty thing. I mean, that's from similar cultures, like, where, like, growing up, I remember going over to my friend's house after school, and her mom would just be, like, whipping up paratha and roti, and, like, you use that, and you're dipping it in the like, sauce, and it's oh, yeah. so good. But um, what about focaccia? I've been making that a lot lately, and I actually like that more than... Yeah, I you know I I think it's okay, but again I'm like traditional. I just like a, a hunk of Italian, and and my mom will tell you like I'm I'm a big um I'm a big dip guy. Like she'll have some kind of gravy going on on a Sunday, and she'll come in and and, and be like, why is there breadcrumbs in this on the on floating on the top? And you're like you know you know why. Um. So yeah, that was my that was my big that was my big move, is uh is just the Italian bread or like even we we were lucky because. Um, in in a sort of a urban, you know, where I'm from here, so there's always been some decent Italian bakeries. So you know, you go get uh, a, a dozen rolls on a Sunday, every Sunday, you know. So I had Serpies or Leonetti's or uh, Defonzos or whatever it was around here. You could get you could get pretty good Italian baked goods, which was which was clutch. Um, so that's that that's how I grew up on the breads. Now I've I've started to make different kinds of breads at home, but again baking is not my I, I struggle i have fun i have fun trying and i love homemade bread but i, I definitely struggle it's yeah. a bread machine i know I, everybody says just get the fucking bread machine dude yeah. my mom used to like she would make like i don't even know what you call it just like a loaf of like which what would be sandwich bread i guess like yeah at home. and it's a little bit more dense than what you buy from the store but oh my gosh i so love that I, I love that stuff I remember at one point it like for some reason there was interference between the bread machine and the TV and like it would get to a certain part of the cycle and just like <laughs> and like it was worth it like I loved it I remember at one point actually in elementary school this wasn't bread my mom was making biscotti she used to make biscotti a lot and like yeah. cookies and stuff she had a cookie business at one point yeah. and my teacher was trying to trade me like for my biscotti he's like i'll give you like chocolate i'll give you like i got this like he's like laying out his lunchbox <laughs> like i will give you half my lunch for part of the biscotti <laughs> oh man good memory so what are you guys doing for the holiday the covid holiday i mean again we kind of talked about this like i've been struggling i i was really happy that you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty good on the grill, so it was good to have people over during the summer. You could have 
two or two or four people over and you know and I did do a lot of grilling as I mentioned um, the episode hasn't been released yet but uh, I talked to a, a friend of mine a writer from Brooklyn who is uh, also he's from Texas and he's a big grill man and I told him that now I found out my cholesterol is high so uh, I don't know what to do. It's from so much grilling. He called it the uh, the, the pitmaster's curse. Um, but now that the, now that the weather is getting bad, um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity over the holiday to like, you know, like Susan got a turkey from the CSA farm that we go to because you can order one during the summer and get it. But like, I I don't see having a, a twelve or or sixteen or twenty person. Uh, party this year as we're talking about that's I mean that's kind of like everything we talked about that that sort of uh, drove us to this idea that cooking is uh this this spiritual sort of solidarity with your family and your friends and your comrades we're not going to get to probably do any of that I wonder how you're handling that like Kirsten what's your what, what are you doing for the holidays for the Thanksgiving and, and everything yeah um uh probably staying home um yeah. I think so my I the past like six years or so I've gone to my sister-in-law's parents' house for Thanksgiving. Um, they live in bear. So they're pretty close. And I think, and also like, it's, it's really fun because like um, my sister-in-law's dad, like will like request dishes from me. He'll be like, you got to bring the, like these like certain kinds of like crostini toppings or like make sure you bring this cake and everything. So it's like, I love that. This is kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but like when people like know you for like certain dishes and request them, like it feels so good, you know? Yes. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't think there's any way to like safely gather unless you're outside and able to distance. So my plan is probably going to be to just make some things, drop them off to the folks who were nearby. So, you know, like I have, like, yeah, my sister-in-law's parents, my brother and sister-in-law are up in, like, kind of, like, the south end of the Lehigh Valley, so they're not, like, too far. Um, my dad and, like, his girlfriend are in Delaware, so, like, I'll probably, like, make some food, take a few requests, drop stuff off, you know, but, like, yeah, just Zoom people for, for the day itself. That's cool. Yeah. It sucks, though, because, like, the dinners are, like... My my sister in law's mom is a really good cook and also just like loves to like I think she really loves the challenge of like cooking things for because like my brother has a bunch of like food problems uh, or like food allergies, um, and like I'm a vegetarian and like her one of her sons has like um, ulcerative colitis I think so like she's got like a lot of different like dietary restrictions that she's got to work with and like. I also am like I really like uh having to like play around and like figure out how to like turn things vegan or like you know make substitutions for other people and like she also is like this is fun it's like a puzzle so I think she's also going to be very sad that she's going to be cooking this year. Yeah, so uh this is uh something I just remembered and Kirsten, you'll remember this, and we'll have to get together, and you guys tell me how you want to handle this, because you were the recipient of some of this last year. You probably will remember. Every fall, Susan gets uh, like three or four of these uh, heirloom pumpkins. Oh, yes. Okay. I was really wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> yes. So, see, now you know. 
So last year there was this huge pile. I couldn't take it all, so I, I split it up and and I roasted some of it and gave some. There's like five different heirloom pumpkins. So I'm trying to talk to people who either are interested in making soups, um, which I I have a bunch of stuff for different kinds of curry pumpkin, lentils, all, all kinds of different soups. But I also I'm going to make a bunch of fillings for pies. Uh, so the question is. Do you want me to break these down and make the fillings and give them to you, or do you just want to come and get a pumpkin? Because <laughs> I, I, I don't, I can't use all these fucking pumpkins. I will. I'll just come and get a pumpkin. I think the last time I got a pumpkin, um, Dan Aykroyd was there. I want to say, is that right? I think you're right about that. Yeah. I just saw Dan Aykroyd last I, week. Yeah, I saw that you posted a picture. Yeah, as for for those who don't know, uh, my sister in law has a, has a, a black lab uh, whose name is Dan Aykroyd. Oh, okay. so Dan, Dan the dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, you guys are just casually like bumping into him every year in the <laughs> No. Yeah, the dog, the dog Dan Acro. I was dog sitting. So last week I was dog sitting down down on the Eastern Shore, but when you got the pumpkin, I was dog sitting Dan Aykroyd here. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but so feel free. Uh now's the time because I think this week um uh, I talked to somebody else who's a baker who's just going to make a bunch of pie crusts. And so we're going to use one of them and just make a bunch of pies and send them to people for the holidays. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because we're not going to be able to do anything. Like you said, we're not going to be able to so we can we can all we can all get together and sort of like team up and make something for people for the holidays. Yeah, that's smart. Yes, I would love if you have pumpkins to spare, I would love to come grab a pumpkin. Yes. And if you have space now that you're at your place at your grandma's old place, um they're heirlooms so you can plant the seeds and they will grow. Oh, good point. Yes, they're not. Uh, they're, we're not going to talk about politics, but some seeds that are factory seeds, they don't. Uh, you know what I mean? They don't grow. Goddamn Conagra, Conagra, Monsanto. Exactly. Yeah. So I grew a pumpkin. Actually, I grew two tiny little ones this summer, and made curry pumpkins, and it was delicious. Yeah, curry, yeah. curry, and pumpkin love each other. Yeah, they just go like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't know if you ever spoke about this, Rob, but Medina had like a really great garden this past year. Um, I oh, don't yeah? know how she did because she did a few things at her plate. <laughs> so. Yeah. So wait a minute. While you were doing the other things that we we said that we weren't talk about today, but as you were doing those things, you also kept a whole garden through the summer. Yeah. I mean, caveat there. As the summer went on, the garden got more and more unruly. <laughs> but yeah, Carl, Carl was like, "Get out of that garden! Make some calls." <laughs> yeah, my uncle. So my uncle's like a florist and like does landscaping and stuff. And he was just kind of like, "You gotta, you gotta get out here more," you know, because <laughs> he came down to help me close it up for the winter. Nice. He's like, "You gotta, you gotta weed. You gotta, you gotta water regularly." <laughs> but yeah that was like our quarantine project um was to dig up what had been clay and grass for 25 years plus and make it a garden um and yeah we had pumpkins we had zucchini cucumber basil tomatoes galore um peppers eggplant berries watermelon that never quite took off because i did not water it regularly so it kept it kept like exploding <laughs> um like expanding the wrong times and stuff but yeah okra like one thing that's like what i've been trying to get into lately is kind of like um reconnecting with west african 
culture and like the roots of like my family's heritage and all that. So like I was trying to grow plants that are kind of like ancestral and that were brought here by enslaved Africans and have a bunch of stuff in the freezer now. The freezer is kind of crazy because you can only do so much with fresh vegetables. So I was like preparing and like freezing a lot of stuff. But yeah, that was a really fun project. And next year I'm planning to like whittle down the variety and and like do more of certain things that did well. Like green beans. Green beans were surprisingly really easy and hardy. And I was harvesting them pretty much all summer and into the fall. So that's cool because they're easy to like just hard and cook. Like you don't, there's not a lot of pr- you just clean them and the thing is, yeah, you just eat them. That's awesome. Yeah, I can remember growing up. Uh, you know, all, my grandparents all you know grew f- foods in some fashion, uh, but just having like uh, them canning or or or, or jarring uh, tomatoes, um, hanging up peppers to dry hot peppers. You know, just in the kitchen, there's a thing hanging up. You know, and Every time you have a thing of pasta, you just take a hot pepper, like, you know, chunk it up in there. Um, so, yeah, that that's, again, that's just a, a connection to, um, like, the tradition of it, which I think is cool. I have, an, I, have a, um, I have a fig tree in my garden that was my grandmother's that people take a little. It's actually easy to, to get a little fig shoot and plant it. Um, so you can get it to you can get it to grow, but the question is, can you get it to produce any figs? So, so so far we've got it produce figs two years. It's been in the ground three years. It's produced figs, but they don't get ripe. They stay kind of hard, or they get big, and they just don't. So next year, fingers crossed, we'll get some figs from my grandmother's fig tree. But uh, we'll see. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love that stuff. Kirsten, Medina, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I just I don't want to give uh, Carl too much to have to edit, so we'll cut it off there. <laughs> Thanks for having uh, us. Yes. No, I love this stuff. I, I'm I'm so happy. And again, like I I made that pizza last night. I've cooked I cooked yeah, today. Ah, uh, thanks. Yeah, that's another thing I do. Like, I know, like, I kind of, that's one of the things. Oh, you see, uh, Medina actually tried that crust, but you did the one, you used that for one, like, one thick crust, like, one deep dish thing, didn't you? Yeah, so I don't even, this is another thing. So, coming from a big family, whenever I would follow a recipe, I was doubling it. Like, it's always, it's a given. Like, the serving size is four, like, we need twice that. Right. And so I, I, whatever you sent me, I made, I think I doubled it and I ended up making like four pizzas or something. Oh, nice. Delicious. Everybody loved it. The recipe was really easy. I'm kind of bummed because I, um, I've like messed up my thumb. Oh no. Repetitive. like from Gaming? Writing. Gaming? You've been gaming on the yeah, PS5? I, I have yeah. gamer's thumb, but really what it is is I have texture's thumb and crochet's thumb. Oh, you crochet so, as well? Not anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's been about like, a year now. Is there anything she can't do? That's incredible. Speaking yeah. of this food, because my mom was a huge crocheter. My mom, I mean, I, I see blankets and scarves sometimes. And, and like friends, I'm like, did my mom give you that? That looks like my mom's work. Like I can pick it out. Yeah. Yeah. I crochet. Um, my grandmother taught me how to crochet. And like, I really miss that. That's like, like you were talking about cooking, crocheting, yeah. baking and how that like relaxes you. Yeah. Especially in like the fall and winter. That's my go-to like. Nice. relaxing thing and you get to see it come to fruition you can give it to someone and like it keeps them warm like it doesn't get better than that so i yeah. can't do that so i'm pretty bummed but the other thing that bums me out is i can't make the breads that i like to make because it it uses like you gotta like punch it and you're like 
pulling yeah. and you're pushing. Um, so I have a bunch of flour and yeast, and I just haven't, I haven't even tried. So I know I'm gonna mess myself up if I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Sucks. Don't text kids. Voice to text. <laughs> voice, to, voice to text. Keep your thumbs calm. Never post, Don't. Never text. Bad yeah. posts. Look, as oh, we know, bad. posting can only get you in trouble. <laughs> We know this. Everybody on this call and everybody I've ever talked to knows. We've we flown too close to the posting sun and melted <laughs> our wings. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I've, I've been called into the principal's office. Multiple I've been, times I've been, can, I've been canceled and banned more times than I can remember. <laughs> I bad posts. Yeah. I mean, Not you can't Carl, look. You, you, can't, you can never cancel Carl over a post. No, because Carl's like he's yeah. he has wholesome posts. He does. Yeah. And knowing your history of posting, you have no grounds to, you know, criticize himself. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Carl will do, he will do like graphic design posts. What's, I'm sorry. To let he who is without bad posts cast the first stone. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't be casting any stones. <laughs> yeah, just do what I do, guys. Go to the pharmacy Get a brace that keeps your thumbs from moving. Makes you look live good. your life that way. Yeah, I look like I've gotten into a fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't mess with me. I crochet. <laughs> well, there's th- that's the perfect way to end because uh, that I'll, I'll give a shout out to my mom. Uh, don't mess with people who crochet. Uh, Kirsten Medina, thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, look out in December because uh, we're going to be talking about uh, there's a we're going to see apparently uh, I don't know a lot about it, but in January, they're going to seat a new General Assembly in Dover and there's going to be a lot of new people from what I understand. So that should be interesting. I'm going to I'm going to kind of look into that and see yeah. sort of if we should like get involved. Do you, Medina, do you know anything about that? I mean, if you could just keep me updated. OK, keep me posted. All right. I I mean, I don't like I said, I'm just I'm just hearing it. So I don't know. Yeah. Folks are saying it. Folks are more and more people. <laughs> Kirsten, thank you. Medina, thank you. Carl, thank you. It's uh it's Highlands Bunker, folks. Happy Thanksgiving and left is best.